We've been kind of sporadically throwing these in here uh, throughout the season. That's on me. It's been, uh, it's been a little hectic on the weekends at times, um, but we're here and we're going to discuss Ole Miss's just absolute dismantling of the LSU Tigers 31 to 17 on Saturday. Um, before I welcome Ben in and before we start to unpack the sixth win of the year for the Rebels, I do want to remind you, we are, in fact, in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. He is your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. Give him a call, 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. show is also brought to you by Sola on South Lamar. Chef Erica and her team are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Uh, I, if you're hungry... Um, I suggest do not look at their Instagram, which is probably something that I shouldn't say because they are a sponsor of the show. Um, but man, it will make you hungry. Um, the lunch looked fantastic over the weekend. They had a huge crowd in town. Brunch looked even better today um, as Ole Miss and, and Oxford played host to, man, I don't even know. Ben will probably tell me how many people were there, but it was just people in droves came to Oxford for the game. They were there. Um, but you can go enjoy uh, happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow meals. Um, they are bringing the best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or uh, call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Show is also brought to you by LB's Meat Market on 2008 University Avenue. Greg and the folks are offering the Podcast Rebellion perk. All you got to do is tell them you listen to the show and you get a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage. All of that for 20 bucks. It's very simple. Just tell them you listen to the show. That's it. They will hook it up. Check them out. LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of the show for the best protein for all of your Ole Miss grilling needs. Ben, you were in attendance. Obviously, the special moment at halftime was really cool but man it has been a long time a long time since we have seen a dominant defensive performance like we did on saturday i would think at least five years uh since that's happened um yeah maybe maybe the, George, a, maybe the georgia game 2016 what a weekend. you know it felt I, I just i had a conversation with a friend on the phone before we got started tonight. He's lived in Baton Rouge his whole life. I think he's had relatives. Maybe even his dad was a, at one time the president of the LSU Alumni Association. He's been an LSU t- season ticket holder his whole life. Always loves the uh, Ole Miss rivalry. Comes up to Oxford every time LSU plays um, in Oxford. And um, he was so complimentary of the fans, he was like, man, you know, LSU didn't bring a lot of people, but LSU brought a lot of people to town. They didn't bring a lot of people into the stadium. And um, he was like, you know, but he said, I stayed until the very end. And he was like, he, he said, you know, some students left or whatever, it kind of got hot. But he said, man, kudos to y'all's fans. They stayed nearly the entire game and they cheered just as loud for that last touchdown as they did for the first one. 
Um, and he didn't talk anything about LSU's fans. But I think the point he was trying to make was, is, man, y'all had a really good atmosphere for the weekend, and we did. I mean, like you said, it was a special day. They could not have done Eli Manning a better service than what they put on. I mean, it was top class, first class, uh, the whole way through. It wasn't about Archie. It wasn't about his nephew. It was about Eli. And and that was really cool. And um, and what a performance by the team, you know. They they come out, and uh, LSU punches them out. I, and we'll get into this in a second. And then Ole Miss really takes control of the game from the interception on the one-yard line. And if you go back and watch the replay, I'm not so sure they couldn't have caught a touchback on that. But it's neither here nor there. It all worked out in the end. Um, Ole Miss played through. You know, down 7 nothing, 99 yards in front of them, scored 31 extra points, went up 31-7, to and coasted in to a 31-17 final. Make no mistake, the game was never as close as 31-17 looks. It was a 31-7 to staring at 38-10 to uh, late when Ole Miss fumbles out of the back of uh, LSU's end zone. Either way, it was a great weekend. I mean, the grove was packed. The weather was perfect. I mean, it's really comparable to the Alabama game in 2014, except for the fact that Ole Miss was still undefeated that day. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, this one was – Taylor Sandroni, he's been on this podcast once or twice before in baseball season. He sits with me at games when he comes to town. He, he lives in New York City right now. He'll be back in Mississippi, though, shortly. He – uh he said, he said, I think this is the most Ole Miss fans we've ever had in the stadium. Because I'm telling you, man, LSU might have put 1,500 people into the stadium. And every every seat was filled at kickoff. So, I mean, there were 62,000 Ole Miss fans in there. At, at least, six, even if you want to give LSU 3,000 people, there were over 60,000 Ole Miss fans there. When we played Alabama in 14 and LSU in 2003 and whatever name the game big game that we've had in the past Ole Miss or the Wake team provided 7,500 fans that didn't happen Saturday and it was still a good atmosphere have I heard it louder maybe but I mean overall considering the circumstances it was pretty perfect so I think the theme of this show and rightly so is the defense um oh yeah Oh, yeah. On another on another site, I was doing some analysis, kind of giving reactions of the game, and I said that was the game like that the proverbial doctor ordered for Matt Corral. He didn't have to do an, he didn't have to do a lot with his legs. Very pedestrian day for him, numbers wise, but he was efficient. Eighteen of twenty three for one hundred and eighty five yards and a touchdown. He added one on the ground, um, but he wasn't stressed to the max like he was a week ago in Knoxville, but. Before we get to the offense, we'll talk about them in the second segment. We have to dedicate this first segment to the defense. Held LSU to 326 total yards. They were 4 of 12 on third down. Stopped them on their only fourth down try early in the game to get the interception. Uh, Tysheem Johnson's just an animal. uh, He'll be all SEC before he leaves Oxford. Um, Big play by the true freshman right there to stop them at the goal line. Max Johnson and uh, Garrett Nussmeyer combined to throw for 249 yards, but they were just 20 of 33. Um, had the pick that I just referenced, but man, 77 rushing yards. 
It makes me wonder, though, how many yards did they get in the fourth quarter? Uh, Um, Probably a good chunk. I mean, Um, the fourth quarter – the fourth quarter and their opening drive were mm-hmm. the two that that's the most success they had all day and not we'll give them the opening drive, but the fourth quarter, man, the game was over. It was, it was 31 to seven. I mean, mathematically LSU would have had to have a historic comeback mm-hmm. to win that game. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Um, but I mean, a week after Ty Davis price, sets the single game record. Um, 287 yards against Florida, who, look, all due respect to Ole Miss and their defense because they played their ass off. Florida, top to bottom, has a better roster defensively than Ole Miss. Yeah, for sure. LSU whipped them all day. They held Ty Davis Price to 53 yards. He had the early touchdown, but after that, it was nothing. They forced three turnovers. We talked about the pick that Tysheem Johnson had. They forced uh, two fumbles. Um, and look, I, at Ole Miss fought through 12 penalties. LSU had two penalties, which that's a whole another conversation that I think is complete horseshit. Um, I was doing the rewatch earlier. Um, some of the, uh, the, uh, the one that jumped out to me that was just laughable was the hold that they called on Jordan Rhodes on Ely's yes. touchdown run. Yes. That was terrible. <laughs> they even he, showed he the replay. Blocked him. Yeah. He and blocked he, him with one arm and just threw him down. Like he didn't even grab him. <laughs> like it, it was, was, it was a such a bad call. Um, but man, you cannot look, we've given DJ Durkin hell earlier this year. And I think he would probably say it was warranted because they were bad early in the season, but man, Jake Springer being back is just, paramount to their success and being able to do multiple things and really freeing up their linebackers to just play. Um, Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson were outstanding. They were all over the place. They were making plays, fighting off blocks. I mean, LSU's got a big offensive line. And like we said a week ago, they were killing Florida and they were just shedding blocks. The run fits were there. Um, I think a lot of people have criticized Otis Reese earlier this year, saying he hasn't really made a lot of plays. He was phenomenal on Saturday, had two big stops on that on that goal line stand early in the game. Um, I think Springer just lets him just kind of play where they really want him to play. Um, the defensive line played their tails off. Um, I mean, across the board. I mean, Jamon Gore and Isaiah Iton, Katie Hill, Sam Williams, Tavius Robinson. Um, I mean, they were everywhere. They were establishing a line of scrimmage. They just did not allow LSU to get going. Um, I mean, LSU tried to play bully ball. They had the ball for just over 29 minutes. They had 20 first downs, but the defense, man, they did a nice job rotating guys in, stayed fresh, and they tackled well. And, Ben, we've talked about that the last couple weeks with the yards before contact number and how it's been really good since the Alabama game. Brian Robinson just broke tackles and he leads the conference in that, but they have really started to focus. I would think focus on tackling and practice and it's showing now and uh, on Saturdays, man. So sneaky play of the game was uh, Cedric Johnson stripping Max uh, uh, Johnson. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah. That the, was huge. Uh, I think Ole Miss and I, and I forgot to mention Cedric Johnson. Sorry, I think yeah, no, that's what that's. Per, I did that on purpose because 
everybody else did play well who you're talking about. And he probably had to play the game. I think Ole Miss is up 24-7. It might have been 17-7 at the time. And he just bull rushes around uh, that left tackle and goes full extension. a great play. And then I think Jake Springer recovered it with no helmet on. Mm-hmm. Comes yeah. off that we come off the field, and I want to say either the next drive or the the two drives after that, LSU was kind of moving the ball at that point. That like they just mm-hmm. completed one or two passes. I went back and watched it, and they had crossed the fifty, or they were right around midfield, so they kind of had some momentum. And he strips Johnson, and Springer recovers it, and next thing you know. You know, that's just before the holding call on the Ely touchdown, which we come right back. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, different drive. That And that's when we followed it up with the, the draw to Ely, and he makes the move on number five, who's, who's strap oh. still laying out there on uh, Vaughn Hemingway, Hollingsworth Field. And then, I mean, we won't talk about the offense yet. We could stick to the defense. That's as fast as Ely's looked, though. Um, but back mm-hmm. to the defense – you know, I, th- I didn't think we played poorly in the secondary. Um, I thought we got better pressure. But like I said, I think everything, especially in this league, everything revolves around how much success you can get up front with your defensive line. All the great teams have great D-lines. Sam Williams is playing like an all-SEC player now. Um, mm-hmm. The interior guys are. Obviously, the all-Big Ten linebacker, and and best story in the on the t- roster is Mark Robinson. Guys, are, those guys are monsters, and um, it's just a fun team, man. Ole Miss is six and one, six and one, and has gone through a stretch of games of Alabama, Arkansas, at Tennessee, LSU. Man, they played four those four programs already, and is and Ole Miss is sitting at six and one. This is yeah. crazy. Always fans need to enjoy this, man. Like everybody looks to the long term all the time, and man, we could be better next year. But like, enjoy the now, man. Like you, you, we saw what happened in COVID. Twenty twenty was so weird. Nobody even remembers that season. Like it was just like you know. I mean, we remember it because we played well and had Lane Kiffin. But you know, in five years, everybody just go remember that was the year that you know nobody knew what was going on, and you know we think Alabama won the national title. Long story short, man, life's just too short. You need to enjoy this. I mean, six and one just blew out LSU at home. I'm sorry for going on that rant, but man. I'm just tired of people going like, "Well, you know, is Lane Kiffin going to stay or is he going to go?" It's like, well, I think he's probably going to stay, and I think Ole Miss, or I think Ole Miss is going to do everything to try to keep him. But right now, let's just enjoy winning football games. We got Matt Corral too. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I think everybody just is so quick to. You know, okay, what's next? Okay, we 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 won, but shit, we got to go to Auburn next week. Um, but look, man, at this point, I think you've got a a healthy Matt Corral. That look, I, we knew that he was playing. We knew that there weren't truly. I do think there concern. is. A, I think there is an ankle injury there, ish, some kind of leg. He was limping, and but he was but he was never foot. missing that game. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think it's an injury to where he doesn't play. I just think, you know, I think he could be – he may be 100% by this weekend. But, um, you know, I just think he's banged up. I mean, it's 
midway through the SEC season, who doesn't have a bruise? Yeah, I was, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you're at the point of the season where it's, you know, everyone's banged up type, yeah. type games. It's just part where of it's just, football. Yeah, and, you know, the early bye hurts because, you, you know, you'd love to have a bye right now. But they oh, had yeah. it earlier in the year. I think it was week four. Um, and is it yeah, man, coming off a of bye to play this game? But we'll get into yes, that later. I believe so. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a, just a phenomenal performance by the defense as a whole. They were great all game long, and I don't think anybody really anticipated that coming. I, I thought, um, you know, I did a, a deep dive into the analytics about the Tennessee game and how the run defense was much improved. They uh, were really good when Hendon Hooker got out of the pocket. They they didn't let him scramble too much, and that wasn't going to be the case with Max Johnson. Um, he's not very mobile, but they were just dominant up front. They were extremely active. They were in the backfield a lot, and I think that, like you said, Sam Williams playing like, like an all-SEC guy, Cedric Johnson coming off the edge, and the other guys are stepping up. I mean, that just frees up the linebackers to where they're not – getting eaten up by guards and tackles getting to the second level. They're able to just run and, and just make plays, and that, that was huge on Saturday. Um, it was two games in a row with five sacks. Yeah, I mean, that's – when's the last time you could say that? I mean, I don't know. That's a, <laughs> that's a, big, that's a big number, you know. Keep that – that's – that's proof right there. That's all you need to know. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. I think they had five sacks and seven tackles for loss TFLs on Saturday. I think yeah. it might have been five and nine or five and ten at Tennessee. So you're looking at close to 20 TFLs and 10 sacks in the last two games. That that wins football. That is good defense. Yeah, that and you have a Heisman contender, a quarterback that's able to run an offense – efficiently down a ton of playmakers. I mean, could you imagine what this offense is doing with a healthy Braylon Sanders, a healthy Jonathan Mingo, um, an offensive line well, that isn't banged up? I mean, it, it, it's, it's 55 to 17 rather than 31. Yeah. 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just a, just a phenomenal performance by the defense. They deserve a ton of credit for that. Um, performance. Um, all right, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we're going to talk offense. Um, like we said, good, uh, a good kind of a recharge week for Matt Corral. He wasn't really stressed to uh, do a lot. And then we'll uh, obviously talk Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor, and uh, some Dom Terrio Drummond. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line Restaurant Hours in Memphis and Magnolia House in Biloxi. 
Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion, Hangover Edition, talking Ole Miss 31, LSU 17. All right, we started things off talking defense, rightfully so, with how well they played. But offensively, it's got to start with the running backs and the offensive line. Um, you know, I think it. we'll start up front and then work our way back. Um, 
I thought that Orlando Umana um, is starting to really flex his muscles uh, literally and figuratively. Um, the Utah transfer, his experience and versatility is helping Ole Miss right now, who's battling some injuries on the interior. Ben Brown still banged up, and Umana moved over to a guard in the middle of the game. They put Bryce Ramsey at center. Jordan Rhodes, Cedric Melton were rotating on the interior at guard. Uh, Caleb Ramsey was back coming off of injury. Um, it was a pretty dominant performance up front with LSU. Despite all the injuries, they've got a ton of talent still. Mason Smith, the true freshman, is a monster. They held him in check. Um, but, man, I – you can't say enough about this offensive line and what they've been able to do with the injuries and how well that they played on Saturday. I agree. Um, LSU did, was able to, um, you know, break through a couple times. And, and, and fortunately for our O-line, is <laughs> the guys they're blocking for are so good. Um, but I agree. I, I, thought, I think the O-line, consider, especially considering the fact that it's, it's patched up right now. And – it's kind of a hodgepodge of, of um, players playing positions that they don't normally play. We got tackles playing guard. We got centers playing guard. We got guards playing tackles. So, um, all in all, good. I mean, we had a couple of botched snaps. Well, we got a different center right now. And, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, ran the ball extremely effectively, particularly off the left side, but also had a couple of touchdown runs on the right side. So, um, you know, it really good balance um, to them. You know, Corral had had some time to throw on Saturday that that he hasn't really had in the, in the past few games, and um, not that we really even needed to throw the ball that much. I think he had 185 yards passing, but overall, the O line played fine. They got screwed. We mentioned at the beginning of the show on a couple of holding calls. Um, I'm sure some of the penalties on us, especially like the false starts and stuff, that's all justified and warranted. But man, sometimes like on that holding call on, on roads, that was just terrible. It was, and I don't normally, I don't normally complain about referees. Everybody on the show knows I think Ole Miss needs to stop committing so many penalties. I mean, if you're the highest penalized team in the country, then it's likely that you're guilty more more often than not on the mm -hmm. penalties that are called against you. But like, man, that was just a completely unfortunate call. And when you go back and watch the replay. It's like, oh, my God, like he did what he was supposed to do. He definitely certainly didn't hold it. And so, um, uh, nevertheless, though, it's a great game by the line. I mean, truly. It's a long way for me to say, you know, he played well. Umanu played well. Rhodes played well. Broker had a great game. You know, he struggled there at Alabama. We said that. He's come back. And he's played strong since. And, um, you know, shoring up his his uh, status as an as an NFL tackle, and um, but overall, it's a good game. It really was by the one. Yeah, paved the way for two hundred and sixty six yards, five point three per carry. Um, if you take away against Matt LSU, Corral, I mean yeah, against well, LSU, like it, they're having a tough year, but man, this they got four or five stars all over defense. I'm grumpy. Yeah. Who's um, number 18 for them? Do you know his name? Damone. Uh, D-A-M-O-N-E, I think. Yeah. Um, he is a stud, whoever it is. Uh, Damone Clark, yeah. He is a stud. Yeah, and, and that's uh, – uh, 
that's a that's a big deal to wear number eighteen. That's a that's a number that's oh, held yeah. in high regard. It's like number LSU. seven. Yeah. So so I, I use that because he's the only defender I really noticed for LSU yesterday, and that's a that's a uh, a compliment to our offensive line. Yeah, I mean it was it was dominant. Um, I know they ran for a ton of yards with John Rice Plumley in 2019 when he went crazy, but um, yeah, 266 yards. Um, I think I went back and, and looked at it. Uh, if you take away Corral, um, you know, scrambling, he had a couple sacks. Um, the running backs averaged over six yards per carry um, in this game. Uh, but I mean, come on, we we got to go to Snoop Connor and Jerry Neely. Um, between the two of them, 26 carries, over eight yards per rush. Um, trying to do some quick math here. They ran four. Two hundred and fourteen yards and a touchdown. Um, yep. I love the wrinkle that they threw in in this game, running the pistol. Um, I think it kind of threw LSU for a loop. Uh, they really didn't have an answer. And I mean, look, it, at this point, if you can get all two hundred and twenty pounds of Snoop Connor running full speed by the time he hits the line of scrimmage, I'm I'm all for it, um, dude. <laughs> he was He's running so over LSU people. Um, and look, like you said, Jerry Neely, I think outside of Cedric Johnson's strip sack, Ely had the play of the game. The 36-yard run, touchdown run was a dagger. Um, it was. That's probably the best I've ever seen him run the football. He um, he ran faster than he's run in his entire career at Ole Miss. It's particularly that run. It's like, I, I'll tell you this. He hit a gear that I did not know he had, truly, when he was when he made that run. And um, and, that, and that goes for several of the runs that he made. He ran like he, I think, like the five-star that they expected him to be. He looked like John Avery, like a taller John Avery. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean that in a super high compliment. John Avery – is one of the fastest college football players I've ever seen in pads. Oh, I, I so I still say to this day, John Avery's the fastest person I've ever seen in, in person. Yeah, I mean he was super fast, and uh, so I, Jerry and Ely played great. Um, Snoop Connor played great. Parrish played great. Parrish had that good touchdown run off the right side early on. Um, I think it might have been actually the third touchdown of the four. And then, um, obviously, Jerry and Ely, that uh, that 39 – I mean, that was like a special run. I mean, it was a, it was an NFL-type Alvin Kamara run. And um, – but, man, Snoop Connor, that dude can eat five yards in a hurry. And I would absolutely despise – I would loathe tackling him. I would hate it so much because yeah. he is downhill in like three steps. And it's like, yeah. you know, the train is coming. And the problem is, is that dude will like his burst through the line is so like, I went back and watched the replay and uh, I can't remember the term that Brad Nestler kept using. Uh, but he's like, he blasts through the line. Like it was like every time because mm-hmm. I mean, Snoop's wide open. 
as soon as he is the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, it's it was, like we're getting five yards if you're touching me or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not at this level, but the way he was running and falling forward, I mean, maybe just a little recency bias because I watched Derrick Henry run today on television. But it, I mean, it's that kind of that kind of impact where he's running and he's getting at least three or four just falling forward. But he's just so physical, and then. people sleep on his speed all the time. I mean, there was a run early in the game on that drive that they were on the one and they went all the way down the field where he does such a nice job of that inside zone where if it's completely clogged up, he can just, just basically do a little jump cut. And then he hits the line of scrimmage full speed and he beat two or three LSU guys to the corner that had angles on it. Um, it was a great day for for Snoop Connor, Jerry Neely. Um, Parrish didn't have the numbers that those two guys have, but he still is extremely valuable because he's good enough to do to do a little bit of everything, and he gives them a breather. Um, he's a huge part of the offense. Um, had a couple big catches. Um, and speaking of perceptions, I mean, Dontario Drummond. You know, we talk about the injuries everywhere and how the offense is at full speed. Um, I still think Drummond's a little banged up, but he's still playing through it. He had eight catches for 93 yards. He was huge. Um, still a deep threat. Still have to honor him down the field. We saw that a couple times. LSU was called for pass interference. Um, so even without Braylon Sanders, he was able to stretch the field and to open things up underneath. Um, I thought Casey Kelly's looking better and better with each week. He had a big touchdown catch to respond early and that, kind of started the whole onslaught of Ole Miss just really putting the clamps down on LSU. But it's it's scary to see this offense put up, you know, 31 unanswered when they're nowhere near full strength. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, – it's one of those um, cases. So – not having Braylon and um, uh, Mingo is that would be a loss to anybody. And like, and what I want to tell people is like, well, you know, people are like, man, look at, you know, is there a fall off there? Well, yeah. I mean, there'd be a fall off anywhere if you lost two of your start three starting receivers. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the other guys are feeling well, miles battle looked good at receiver yesterday. And yeah, had a better game. Yeah. Pearson had a better game and um, they, they didn't bench him after it. And uh, after the Tennessee game. And um, I agree about Casey Kelly. He's a, he is a good college tight end. I mean, Mm -hmm. big guy, you know, he catches the ball. I mean, he makes some big catches in, in big moments in games. And um, you know, the game, the catch on Saturday was a, was kind of like a, you know, we're coming right at you two yard, in the flat, that's not a hard play to make. But there, you know, a couple of times at Tennessee, he makes some really good catches. Yeah. So all in all, I mean, the offense, I mean, played well. Look, as long as Matt Corral is at quarterback, Ole Miss is going to. I mean, I say this after have that, seeing the Alabama game, but for the most part, Ole Miss is going to be in the game because Matt's not going to let them let the game get out of hand. He's very mm-hmm. good at dictating at moving the chains. And that's a testament to the players around him. I mean, if they were terrible, they couldn't do it with him. But he will will you and 
for 10 yards. And so, you know, yeah, I don't know that it even, I mean, it does, yes, it does matter who's a receiver for how good we are. But I think Ole Miss can be successful with just about any group of players in that corral. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun game to watch um, on both sides. I mean, it was a complete performance. Um, you know, if you're, if you're being a little picky or maybe, uh, you know, wanting selfishly for Matt Corral to put up some, some bigger numbers, but I don't think that game was viewed negatively. Um, he's still right there with Bryce Young uh, for the Heisman. Um, so I, it's not like he lost a ton of ground there. I, I think that most people that are watching college football right now and the most voters can truly see his impact and how much he means to this Ole Miss team. I think you'd be insane not to see that. Um, you could watch Ole Miss play for a half and you see how big of a, a how big a part yeah. he is uh, of the, yeah, this team's success. He's incredible. Selfless. <laughs> you know, doesn't really like to be in the spotlight. Some people didn't like him at first because they thought he was a showboat, but really they were just judging him because he has tattoos on his arm. That's terrible <laughs> to say, but um, yeah, they, uh, um, and, okay. So to be quick about Auburn, are you getting these text messages that they may have some defensive players out next week? Yeah. I uh, talked to a couple sources around the Auburn program. They are saying that they're expecting some suspensions didn't specify what it was for or who, um, but um they're saying it's on the defensive side of the football. Um, so we'll, we'll see if anything comes out of it. I'm sure the press conference tomorrow might um, shed some light on that. I don't know what Brian Harson's protocol is on suspensions or anything like that, but um, it's been going around that uh, they expect suspensions and it's heavy on the defensive side is what I was told. Um, well, so you. that would certainly help Ole Miss's chances. I mean, they, uh, they, they won in 2015 with Chad Kelly. Um, but outside of that, the last time Ole Miss won on the Plains was when uh, Eli Manning was under center. Yep. So, it's funny how that works. Is like all the big <laughs> wins Ole Miss has to do Chad Kelly or Eli Manning. So, and yeah. now Matt Corral. So, and I, and I do um, want to bring this up. We, we mentioned it before we hit the record button, but um, we'll close on this. But I, I said this to someone actually this morning, and then you said basically the exact same thing I said. These last three games, I think there are three games that Ole Miss loses if Lane Kiffin isn't the head coach. 100%. Maybe, maybe 100%. not as maybe not as much on Saturday. Because let's go. I think, let's go I one think, and two. In one and we'll, we'll go one yeah. and two. I mean, Matt, having Matt Corral helps a ton, but the both Arkansas and Tennessee. I mean, they still almost lost them with Lane Kiffin, but just the the way the game was managed, the play calling, and just the utilization of different skill sets and different players in certain down and distances is just something that historically Ole Miss is on the wrong side of. Agree. Completely agree. Think about how many close games we lost like that with Hugh Freeze's coach. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, or, or just stupid losses that don't make any sense. I mean, that's. 2012 A&M, 2013 A&M, 2012 Vanderbilt, or 2012 you know. Vanderbilt, Jordan Rogers scrambled <laughs> for like a fourth and seven. 
to win the I mean, game. Lo- losing to Memphis on the road when you have Memphis on the road, Chad right. Kelly and a bunch of NFL players. Um, That's right. I mean, while I mean, back game, 2013 I mean, Egg Bowl. Yeah, I mean, look back back when Eli was there, they lost to Memphis that year in two thousand three when they still almost won the SEC West. So shoot, twenty sixteen when Alabama, you're up twenty four to three against Alabama, they come mm-hmm. back and lose. So uh, it's it's refreshing yep. to see all this mentality. Different yeah, mentality. yeah, absolutely. I think that's huge. Um, I think this team has a has a very quiet confidence about them, um, and I think right now, I mean, Bill C's numbers came out today. Um, his SP plus numbers after week eight, Ole Miss top 16 defense still. Um, they are just, I mean, what can you say? I mean, it's, it's impressive what Durkin and them have done. They've, they've stuck by this three, two, six. And I think that with Jake Springer back, it's really given them a boost and, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's not much else to say, but I mean, just what a job they've been able to do. Um, I mean, I think you look at the obviously the SP plus numbers. Um, they're 56th right now uh, in in overall defense. Um, now there's still their total defense numbers still hurt because they gave up a ton of yards to Arkansas and Alabama, but. I mean, if you're wanting to peak at the right time, late October is when you want to peak on one side of the football. And with Matt Corral and the rest of the skill players that they have, that run game, the offensive line that's playing well despite the injuries, if the defense is going to start to uh, pick things up and start winning you games like they did against Arkansas, like they did against Tennessee, and then just really shutting down Ty Davis-Price on Saturday, I mean, you can't ask for much more. That's right. Look, if the defense so, can carry you through a couple weeks while some offensive players get healthy and the offense gets back rolling, that's how you go 11 and 1. Yep, absolutely. Uh, do we have anything else before we, uh, before we hit the. No, no, I mean, Ole Miss is playing so good right now, man. It's, it's fun to talk about this, truly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just fun to talk about. Like you said before we started, um, 11 and 1, obviously, still mathematically on the table. Um, so I think right now, I mean, at this point, it, it looks to be the floor is nine and three. And that's, I mean, come on. If, if somebody offered you that before the season started, you're taking it immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would take nine and three right now. Well, oh, maybe not now, but. Yeah, um, not now. <laughs> I, I think I think I think I would hedge on 10 and two, though. I mean, that'd be a good, you know, that's yeah. splitting. Or that's losing one of AM, Auburn, Mississippi State, and winning the rest. I mean, that'd be yeah. a good year, man. 10 and 2 in year two. Are you kidding me? Coming off of probation and Matt Luke and attrition and COVID and, you know, yeah. Hugh Freeze. And I mean, come on, man. Like Matt Crowell potentially transferring. Yeah. Shoot. Could have been good in Oregon. Man. That's right. All right, that's going to do it for the Hangover Edition. We'll be back with an Auburn preview later this week and our Legal Gambling Council coming to you for week nine. Um, should be a better slate uh, for us in week nine, but uh, I don't think it really mattered what the slate was. We uh, we took a couple we, – we caught a couple strays this weekend. Uh, it, was a, it was a tough scene, but we'll be back to uh, help you win some money and, like I said, preview Auburn as Ole Miss takes on the Tigers on the Plains, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
Uh, is it ESPN or is it SEC Network? Can't remember. I think it's SEC Network. Mm, I think so too. But uh, we'll have Wait, all that. Are you talking Auburn? Yeah. Is it is it ESPN? Auburn is ESPN. Yep. Okay. Prime time. So another chance for the Rebels to get a W. Another chance for Matt Corral to march towards New York City. Um, but until next time, for Ben over there, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out. <laughs>